Listeners, and welcome to another episode of Extra Extra. It's all about whiskey. I'm your host, Jason JY. Mm. Does that work for you, Joshua? Yeah, Jason JY. Yeah, I like that. So that would make me <laughs> Joshua MH. Oh, Morrissey Hatton, of course. Of course. <laughs> we, like, I feel like I haven't done an introduction for this in the longest time. Like, It is episode two. Season three, so you've done it somewhat <laughs> recently. <laughs> um, each episode of Extra Extra, Joshua and I get together, bring a news article to the attention of the other, we read it in the first half, we riff on it in the second half, and we try to get out of here in a tight, we did change this starting in episode one, in a tight 35 or so minutes. Oh, now you added in or so. <laughs> That's that. See, that's tricky, right? That's that's you're pu- you're picking at the threads, Jason. You're picking at the threads. <laughs> well, I know that I know that sometimes we use a lot of sentences, and mm. th- sometimes those sentences contain a lot of words, and sometimes we do go on a bit. Mm. But we do have fun. We do, we do, and hopefully the listeners have fun as well. So this week, in this episode. We're going to pull from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. And something interesting has happened here. Mm -hmm. The editorial board of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette have come out this day, January 31, to have a a real proper position uh, on some legislation that is that is happening. Um, I, I also just noticed, because I don't read a lot of online newspapers, I just read today's date from the, from the very, very top of their website. So this was actually posted January 30, which was yesterday Correct. as we're sitting here recording. Interestingly, the timestamp is 5.30 a.m. Yeah, they so were I, like, I hope they were up and at them, like, we got to get this article out. Immediately, I, I imagine the editorial board pulling an all-nighter Saturday evening with with beers and and spirits, and they figured this out. So, the title very simply is "Booze on the Ballot." That really, that really hides what the rest of this article is about, which mm-hmm. is something pretty gigantic mm-hmm. that you and I have been talking about for the last couple of years oh yeah uh, a while now yep so here we come so remember we're listening to the editorial board of the pittsburgh post gazette here do it do it republican state lawmakers after decades of getting thwarted by either members of their own party or a governor from the other party are once again trying to slay their white whale and Pennsylvania's white elephant, colon, the Pennsylvania Liquor Control Board. So they've really come out hot here, right? They're now trying to slay the entire control board. That's And apparently they have an issue with uh, large mammals. <laughs> and from a landlocked state to go after a whale. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Anyway, Ahab, but, continue. But, but here, here comes, here comes a, a position. The editorial board says, once again, we desperately hope they succeed. Uh, 
This time, supporters of privatization have wised up. This is written so deliciously colloquially that I am I'm here for what they're bringing. <laughs> they know this is the supporters of privatization. They know their cause is enormously popular. 60% of voters supported the end of the state stores. Mm-hmm reported a 2013 poll. Nine years ago. Nine years ago, 60% said, hey. (laughs) Right. But they keep running into state officials whose connections to special interests, not to mention lack of imagination, make reform impossible. In 2015, Governor Tom Wolfe vetoed a popular privatization bill. (laughs) That's all they've got to say about former governor Tom Wolfe. Now, comma, Representative Natalie Mihalik, Republican for Upper St. Clair, has proposed bringing the question of privatization to where it belongs. The people. Hmm. She has introduced a state constitutional amendment that both legislative legislative chambers in two consecutive sessions would need to pass before voters could have their say by referendum. They really are be- looking to begin a, a longer process here. This oh, is, yeah, this is... Right? This is not an overnight move here. Exactly. The editorial board continues. In a state with too much archaic and inefficient government. Here we go, Joshua. Hold on tight. Does anyone know what a prothonotary is? Prothonotary. So I have I have lived, I think, 47 and a half long years without encountering pro. Uh, Listen, Jason, being within the, you know, the community of those afflicted by prothonotary, I I wouldn't, this is not a laughing matter. So, please. Well, I laughed because I looked it up and the dictionary gives it without an H. However, there is also a version with an H. And then I've read the description and it hasn't helped me any. A chief clerk in some courts of law, originally in the Byzantine court. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I'm just here for the whiskey talk. <laughs> <laughs> All right, continue. Uh, the PLCB is the very worst of it, where it is too much archaic and inefficient government. There you go. Veterans of the liquor Privatization debates know the history well. The Commonwealth's alcohol bureaucracy was founded in 1933 by a prohibitionist, Governor Gifford. How would you pronounce that in, in America? I pronounce that Pinchot, but I don't know how you pronounce that in America. Well, initially I was thinking Pinochet, but that, that's a very <laughs> different uh, a bit of history there. Uh, I think. Pink- I, yeah, probably Pinkett. Uh, in, yeah, P-I-N-C-H-O-T. In, in American English parlance, I would say uh, Governor Gifford Pinkett. 
Pinkett. And, and the editorial board's position here is that he enacted this solely to make the purchase of wine and spirits as unpleasant as possible. <laughs> he succeeded beyond his wildest dreams. <laughs> that's the article. Uh, that's the editorial group saying that. Not you, Jason. That's, that, that's the uh, editorial. Yeah, correct, yeah. <laughs> and that's what I was going to say. Like, I just, they are just dripping with venom in this. Like, you can tell they are PA folk who go to the, their local liquor stores mm-hmm. and they're just fucking raging every single time, right? They're like, oh, I need to buy this. Take my money. Oh. I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. <laughs> yes. Uh, meanwhile, see you next Sunday, Tony. Um, so the persistence of the PLCB testifies to two enduring truths about politics. First, an entrenched bureaucracy, Mm -hmm. no matter how unpopular and inefficient, is almost impossible to break. And second, an eclectic but well-funded and passionate alliance of special interests, no matter how undemocratic, can wield extraordinary influence. That's that paragraph mm. is up for a Pulitzer. <laughs> that was that was some primo yeah. journalism. Yep, excellent. In this case, it is a union representing a few thousand retail employees with sinecures linking mm. arms with international liquor corporations which love the simplicity of selling to an entire large state market through a single middleman. Highlight that paragraph. We will be returning to that in the second half. Yeah. Okay. They'll try to convince Pennsylvanians that anarchy and cataclysm will befall the state without the enlightened hand of the PLCB guiding their alcohol purchases. But crossing a state border, any state border, is enough to see it's all smoke and mirrors. (laughs) They'll also say a constitutional amendment is a blunt instrument to deal with a complicated maze of rules and regulations. But when privatizers try to slay this dragon, if you remember, started as a whale, uh, became became a a moose along the way, no, a white elephant, became a white elephant, is now a dragon. And it it also went from mammals to uh, reptiles, right? Uh, Because (laughs) dragons, as I understand, lay eggs. So it's interesting. It's cross-species. Here, this whole entire um, yeah. and literature, yeah, right? and literature, yeah. So yeah, let's ask Saint George <laughs> about the dragon later. Anyway, continue. <laughs> right. So, but when privatizers try to slay this dragon with a thousand cuts, Ooh, they got that. nowhere. Ooh. Maybe the gleaming sword of an amendment will do the trick, and state officials can sort out the details later. Mm. Hmm. The PLCB, this is our final paragraph, Joshua. Yep. The PLCB 
is the clearest and most egregious example of the archaic government Pennsylvanians have endured for far too long. Taking it down will not only improve the experience of buying alcohol, but also give every citizen of the Commonwealth hope that real historic reform in Harrisburg is possible. Chef's kiss on that last one. Very nice. Ooh. There's there's a bigger cry at work here. This this isn't just a pissed off editorial board unable to buy the booze they want in the way they want. Mm-hmm. This is a call for reform across Pennsylvanian legislature, mm-hmm. writ large, as mm-hmm. you and I like to say. Mm-hmm. They, they think this system is very broken in numerous ways, and this is merely one example. I, I would argue that the system is broken in that state and various other states. I, I have a, a much larger view of what I think liquor sales and liquor distribution should look like in the U.S. It's a much more simplistic approach to it. I'm happy to talk about it in the second half, but there was that other paragraph that I know we wanted to return to in the second half as well. This is interesting. I'm excited to pick apart at these threads. So let's take one of our very quick breaks and we shall return in the second half. Interesting to be reading something like this after you and I have spent COVID time talking about how distilleries stay open and, and get product to consumers and retail stores seeing huge upticks in their sales of liquor, but at the same time seeing old standbys be the real popular items here. Yeah. And we've talked about state control and what that has looked like and and you know and then things like that so this is a, a very timely article almost two years into our our pandemic living so I know that I had had highlighted a paragraph that I wanted to return to in the second half but just in hearing this article and, and thinking about this what are your initial thoughts uh, in being presented with this article well, I couldn't help but think back to the the twenty teens when the state of Washington went through their own change from right a state run liquor board to privatized shops and and people were excited, right? That people rallied behind this. People voted for this change. Unfortunately, they find themselves now within this position of paying the largest state taxes, I think, of any state in the in the fifty state union, um, and and I think it was the state's idea slash approach slash hope to ensure that the state itself wasn't losing out on any revenue. 
uh, mm-hmm. from these liquor sales. But, you know, just by comparison, and this is me throwing on my Impex hat for 2.5 seconds, you know, you can get a bottle of Kilhoman Macker Bay in most states within the U.S. for around $55, maybe $60, maybe 50 if you're lucky. Mm-hmm. And in Washington, you're looking at $85, $90, something like that. And it's all tax-based, right? So there's something to be said for privatizing the state's uh, uh, liquor sales, liquor purchases, and, and, and hence sales. But you run the risk of destroying that positivity by tossing a shit ton of taxes on it. Now, the fact that you've got Republicans also trying to fight this, trying to go for privatization, gives me a bit of hope that they may be able to fight the taxing end of it. Um, Because Republicans always have taxes on their mind and are always concerned about too many taxes. So that gives me a bit of hope that they might be able to fight what the outcome was in Washington state. And hopefully they'll use the example of Washington state to, to say, you know what, if we're going to do this, we need to do this the right way. Yeah. It strikes me on one hand, you've got those who, who hate the PA set up, as I've said many, many times, I'm sitting here in Virginia and and we have the exact same setup as as Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. where it's all state controlled. So so as a private citizen, you experience great frustration at what's available to you, what's the pricing on that, and and for the most part, the the states certainly are not ripping the arse out of the pricing. The problem really becomes on what's available, what can you special order, what could come in from another state, things like that. Yeah. So, so you've got private enterprise or private individuals saying, I'd, I'd love to get my hands on better whiskeys, in our example, as a whiskey podcast. Yeah. Better whiskeys. But the fight that you have to, to take on there is you have to go up against legislatures who say, but look how much money we bring into this state on the back of selling it this way Mm. and and whereas the editorial board want to go back to to a governor in 1933 uh, who wanted to make this genuinely unpleasant really what you've I don't think the legislature is now in the business of this being unpleasant they're in the business of this generating revenue yes and and if this revenue stream goes away as you're alluding to with the the Washington example, their question is, what replaces it? And so there there is that need to continue to get the piece of the pie. And I would offer up, why not combine a couple of aspects that we've experienced during the, the almost two COVID years, which is why not allow your in-state distilleries to sell direct to consumer and ship direct to consumer stores where you're collecting taxis from those distilleries, Mm -hmm. right? You know, allow breweries 
to do the same um, and, and allow shipping within your borders that increases the sales within your borders. And I, and I know as I say that out loud, one of the things I'm always guilty of is thinking of, of whiskey as being the lion's share of income or thinking about breweries, mm-hmm. you know, craft breweries bringing in more tax dollars than they do when really it's the infinity sales of clear spirits oh, yeah. that really pay the bills and it's, leave the lights yeah, it's, on. So. It's vodka and white Zinfandel. I mean, come on. <laughs> right. Um, right. So, so, I, so I know there is a gigantic shortfall there. But I think, as, as again, the editorial board said there, we need creative thinking and simply taxing your own large state tax onto the solution can't be the only solution or you're going to absolutely ramp up the price as you just beautifully articulated, you know, with the state of Washington. And you're in Pennsylvania, right? Or the, these folk are in Pennsylvania. If one is in Pennsylvania, you ha- you're surrounded by borders. Yeah. You can go into a host of other states and grab the bottle that you want without paying the tax to uh, yeah. to PA. So, so they yeah. do need to be careful as they're as they're working out uh, how they're going to make up the shortfall. Well, yeah, it's it's really funny, you know, that there was the one paragraph where, it, you know, they say the 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 PCLB's argument is, oof, if we remove this, it will be mayhem, and and it reminds me a bit of an old episode of The Daily Show back when Stephen Colbert was just a correspondent before he had the Colbert Report. And he he was, you know, on site in New Jersey talking about the fact that New Jersey, I think, is one of two states where you're not allowed to pump your own gas. And if mm-hmm. you remove that law to pump your own gas, what could happen? You know, or to not pump your own gas, what could happen? And he, you know, he said, "What if you fell under your car and all of a sudden your emergency brake broke and the car runs you over? Or if a bear attacked you? Like all these ridiculous things. No, just let the people <laughs> pump their goddamn gas." But listen, um, you know, one of the things that struck me getting into the liquor industry from from my previous industry, which was uh, the production and distribution of industrial storage products, I found the, the sale of both products to be so incredibly like two different animals, right? Mm. Yet, mm-hmm. yet they're both sold in the same way. I used to work at a company that produced industrial storage cabinets, but we would only sell through distribution, and sometimes those distributors were exclusive within each state. But the way you sold it is you sell to the distributor, the distributor then sells to the people who need it. But there was a federal sales tax and a state sales tax that you had to deal with, and it was fixed. And the laws were the same regardless of whether we sold to a distributor in Pennsylvania or we sold to a distributor in Washington or California or Rhode Island and the list goes on. What I find troubling is that the liquor industry can't follow a similar distribution model that any other distribution or any other manufacturer follows where you have a federal tax system 
and a state tax system. And the only difference in the state tax system is here in Connecticut, we have a state tax of 6.375. And in Massachusetts, you have a state tax of 8%. And in another state, you may have 4%. Like, why couldn't producers of spirits follow a same distribution model where it's more a federal guideline than there is a state guideline? Well, I think that is answered on the back of this 1933 implementation, mm. right? At the end of Prohibition, when the United States <laughs> writ large said, <laughs> okay, states, we're not going to tell you what we're going to do with alcohol now as a country. You go for it. You you work it out. Mistake number one, fact, right there. Mistake number right, one. Yeah. Right, and the fact that we can be sitting here in... 2022, 90 years removed from the implementation of all of, of those laws, rules, regulations, I'm, I'm going to say something controversial here. All right. I don't think the world currently looks like it did almost a century ago. Come on. Nothing's changed. Yeah, I know. Nothing's changed. I know. Right? And so I, I think that speaks to some of the frustration espoused in the, in the words of the, um, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette editorial board here, where all we've done for the better part of, of a century is put band-aids on mm. the sales of, of liquor in states around this country. And... And you can hear them crying out for legislation that makes sense in 2022 and beyond. But when you've been doing it for the better part of a century, you go, is it perfect? No. Does it work? Kind of for some people. Should we change the entire system? Oh, who's got the time? You know, there's, there are other things to be working on. And so I think it is easy to just keep kicking the can down the road and the can's been kicked this far. What's what's another decade? Yeah, I you know, I guess there's something to be said for if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But there's also something to be said for if you can find efficiencies and you can make upgrades and you can make people's lives a, a, a bit better and potentially increase revenue in a smart way without doing the Washington state way, but in a smart way, why not? Right. Right. I mean, think, yeah, think about just really quickly, think about all of those people that are living on the borders of Pennsylvania to get the stuff that they can't get. Right. If you can get the stuff within Pennsylvania, I know I'd much rather shop from home via online especially in a COVID world. Uh, I'd rather not have to deal with traveling far to get something, potentially dealing with the cops on the border who are going to stop you, right? That's, we, I'm not saying, you know, that's, that's a me thing that I, that I do, but I know this is, this is <laughs> this things that people have dealt with, right? You know, th these aren't just wives' tales. These are, these are things that have actually happened. So, you know, why not keep your Pennsylvania consumers purchasing within Pennsylvania? Well, and I think that comes back to something I was saying earlier, which is how do you better serve 
your consumers, mm-hmm. right? And that is a place where we are in the state of Virginia looking at our state-controlled liquor stores doing doorstep delivery. Yeah. And so if, if I can't get over to Virginia Beach, which is three and a half, four hours away from me, where there, there, was, a, there was a moment when Virginia Beach had the Ardbeg that I was looking for. Yeah. None of my local stores had it. And I drove to Virginia Beach to pick up the Ardbeg that I wanted. And if I could have just placed an order online and they could have delivered that to my doorstep, I would have been a much happier Virginia resident mm. thinking, okay, the system's not perfect, but there are ways to make it work. Yeah. Like I, I feel like they see me, yeah. right? That's quite a nice thing. So there's there's one part of this that I, I did want to circle Ooh, back to. There's actually two parts, and I, and I know we want to get out of here. Let, let me do the second one first, because it's staring me in the face, where they talked about the gleaming sword of an amendment, hoping that state officials can sort out the details later. <laughs> that's not going to work. That's, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's how you get into this type of mess. <laughs> exactly. The better part of a century later. Exactly. Where it's like, implement this now, let's make it hard for them. That'll work for the moment. Nope. Sort of the details later. <sighs> they did make me a little bit uh, yeah, nervous you, there. When you're kicking cans down the road and you're applying band-aids along the way, it it it's not a fix. It's 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 a fix that creates new problems, right? For other people, right? Yeah, yeah. I, we're gonna come up many, many hundreds of millions of dollars short. We'll fix that later. We'll get to that later. Yep, we'll get there. Don't worry about that. Um, Yeah, so there was the paragraph that that articulated the problem, and I I don't want to say it it is a straw man. It sounds a little bit like a straw man, but where they they identify the problem and, and the aspect that they have to overcome is a union representing a few thousand retail employees with sinecures linking arms with international liquor corporations, which love the simplicity of selling to an entire large state market through a single middleman. Now, yes, there's part of that I I understand and I, I see, you know, here in Virginia, where unless you can bring large numbers of product to the state control board where they can put this into, gosh, I'm forgetting the number that we've got. Oh, gosh, I'm forgetting the number. 300, 300 stores across the, the state of Virginia. I'm not sure if that number's true or not. But anyway, unless you can get stock into all of those stores, mm-hmm. they're not interested in talking to you. So we've talked as an independent bottler who, you know, for the great state of Virginia, we can offer you three cases. They're kind of like, <laughs> eh, no, we're not going to file that paperwork. Uh-huh. So... So there is a part of this where I do understand they are looking at numbers. They are looking at volume. There is that. Is there that sense, though, from a large international producer that they're just going to call up the state of Pennsylvania or the state of Virginia and they're going to place their order and that's going to go in there? Because that's not how it works. I mean, you you can approach the... uh, you, yeah, you can approach the PLCB as an importer and say, hey, we, we want to sell this into your state. The problem is it, 
it's simply not that easy. So you end up still working with a distributor and or a broker within the state of Pennsylvania to get them to sell to the state of Pennsylvania so that they get it onto the Pennsylvania website or onto the store shelves or, or what have you. And so you're still dealing with someone that isn't Pennsylvania. You're dealing with someone who knows how to deal with Pennsylvania. So you're still working within a three-tiered system and Pennsylvania being actually almost a fourth tier. Well, and, and, I, and I think here... This is where we start thinking about the Diageos of the world, the LVMH, the Sazeracs, where they are importing their own goods, their own products, and then distributing those through the United States. And I think that speaks to why you don't see the same range, the same options within the state board, because everything you just articulated if you're Impex and you're trying to break down that door, there's great energy expended to make it a reality. And that's not to say Impex hasn't done it. Impex definitely has done it and other importers have done it too. But it's great energy to do it. And so then you got to make sure you stay on shelves and keep the product flowing and have the but volume. That's right, but this is, why the you, stores. this is why you hire uh, mm-hmm. a broker within the state Right Again, back to the beauty of a distribution model, I, I really liked what, what David Sturk talked about in our previous One Nation Under Whiskey, where he said, we have to respect our distributors and we have to respect our retailers because they're the ones who are putting in the work to ensure the bottles are on the shelves and come off the shelves. And so that's why a lot of importers will work with brokers within the state to do just that. You hire an organization to sell the product to Pennsylvania and they have their sales team that help visit the private shops, that go to the bars, that do whatever to make sure that product is flowing and that Pennsylvania sees that product as, a, as something that is viable that they want to purchase again. Excellent. I think that's a great place to leave this conversation. I know we could keep going, as is our want, but I think we've said the things we wanted to say. I thoroughly enjoyed this editorial from the Pittsburgh Mm. Post-Gazette editorial board coming out, taking a position on on state legislature. And and I'm sure we'll hear more about this, and I'm sure we'll see this pop up in, in more places. Um, if you, dear listener, would like to, to reach out and contact us, the email address remains a constant questions at one nation under whiskey.com. No Ian Whiskey. Uh, if you feel so inclined, you can drop us a note info at singlecastnation.com. That email will make its way to us as well. But for the moment, Joshua, I'm going to say thank you very much for the conversation. I think that was a, a, a lovely, lovely bit of coverage. I would say so. I would say you're welcome, but I think I need to say thank you as well. So thank yous all around. (laughs) Until next time. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.